More football coming at you once again. This is week 11 alongside my running mates, Vach Lombardi, Richard Johnson, Ahmad Nambrook. It's great to have you with us as always. We've got lots of great content coming up. That's right, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving with football right around the corner. So we've got lots of tasty dishes to throw at you, including this conversation, which you're not hearing anywhere else. When it comes to six and three teams in the AFC, there's a glut of them right now. Which ones are not going to make the playoffs? We'll be fearless and we will tell you. But we begin with arguably the game of the year, certainly the ending of the year. The Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, is Kyler Murray, they pull off the Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, an incredible catch by Hopkins, remarkable play by Murray, and a huge letdown for the Bills. But got us to thinking, Rich, when you think of like all-time Hail Marys, certainly in college football, you go way back because I'm old, Flutie, Gerard Phelan, et cetera. Um, the Music City Miracle, great ending, obviously, with the Titans, again, victimizing. But when you think of a great catch like that, what do you think of when you see what Hopkins did? I think of the, the Hail Mary that comes to my mind, obviously I'm a Jags fan, Mike Thomas, David Garrard chucks it 60 yards. It's batted down by the Texans into the waiting arms of Mike Thomas at the doorstep of the goal line. Basically all he does is fall into the end zone for the touchdown on uh, on a Hail Mary that looked like it wasn't going to work and did. Nothing like DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Nuke obviously went up there and got it with his incredible hand strength. Uh, but that's sort of the, uh, the Hail Mary that comes to my mind just because it was almost a football folly. I mean, Hail Marys are fun, but I kind of grew up in the Romo area. I was born in 92, so all these catches I had in there talking about, I was a little boy when it happened. And the Cowboys didn't win too many games at the end, so I don't really have a very fond Hail Mary memory, you know. But this Hopkins catch, right, it's so incredible you can get that from the best receiver in the game for a second round pick, right? It's just so it's just so interesting when you look back on, okay, this dude is this kind of threat. He can help your your um passer in this situation. Too bad for Deshaun Watson, but it seems to have, you know, leveled up Kyler Murray, right? And listen, I was this close to saying something nice about Bill's Mafia. I was I was just this close to saying I'm gonna come on more Josh, and say something. The nice. the go ahead throw from Josh Allen was incredible. I mean, you gotta give jo- props there. 100% Josh did well, but it is what it is, sir. You can't sit on the sideline with your Bills hat and your smirk, and that happens to you. You got to live with that. So, shouts out to Nuke. I do want to follow that point, though, Rich, because he's right. Josh Allen, two-minute drill. I was shocked when I saw the stat CBS put up there since 2018. Josh Allen has like 10 fourth-quarter comebacks. That was a perfect throw to Stephon Diggs, 46 seconds left. That should have been a wrap. That should have been ball game. would have been a hell of a win. Yeah, I mean, that is a throw that you look at and you say, whoa, Josh, I mean, that that's it, you know, in air quotes, it, the things that the Bills probably saw of him when he was coming out of Wyoming, you know, that that is the arm strength, the arm talent, all that sort of stuff. It was a very, very good throw and a very good series, like you said, Edna, uh, for Josh to come back. I mean, that game was back and forth throughout. It was sort of like we said last week, it was sort of a preview of, hey, this is the league's future at, at quarterback, and it was pretty cool to see. Definitely was cool to see. So crazy ending there and great news for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And by the way, maybe Kyler Murray has definitely been thrust into the MVP conversation. We'll talk more about MVPs a little bit later on. But you talk about heralded players now getting their moment in the sun. Let's dive into famous Jameis. That's right. Jameis Winston now going to be the guy leading the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints, well, not, Kamara. not if you let, not if you let uh, the Saints say it. They say there's a QB competition. You got to yeah. let Taysom Hill. It, miss me with that. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see what's going to happen. But before we get into who is going to be replacing him, how about the toughness watch of Drew Brees? I mean, he says he'll be back in no time. To make it clear, he has five fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. And they're hoping, again, these things change, I'll be back in three weeks. I mean, I know football players are tougher than just about anybody. You put them up there with boxers as far as the toughest in sports. But to repeat, 
Five fractured ribs and a collapsed lungs. Vach, I would just think it's tough, much less to avoid the rush, much less breathe when you have those issues. He thinks he can come back in three weeks. It's crazy to me. I mean, it's tough for Vach. It's tough for Adnan and Rich, but Tony Romo would have at least finished the game, my guy. You know, what I really like about situations like this, I love to see great franchise current team situation transition right so we see tom brady leave leave um um patriots right so what are they going to do with tom brady going i think this is a situation for the saints that we really got to focus on because this james game these next three james games can be some auditions for him and look even better for him falcons Broncos, Falcons again. So those are defenses that you can light up. So going into this thing, I'm like, okay, the Saints are technically one of those tankathon teams to where, hey, if Drew Brees is not going to be here next year because he's 50 something, maybe they can trade up and get a guy. But if Jameis Winston is that guy and he's only making $38 a year, Taysom Hill is making six times more than him. If Jameis Winston is that guy, then you have a quarterback for the future. So he has three easy teams that he can throw on. And listen, man, to be fair, if he really does make this thing happen, do you bring Drew Brees back for week 17? If he goes on the streak, if he gives you three great games, Drew Brees may be the best check down quarterback now, the best touch quarterback, the best slant bubble quarterback. But if Jameis Winston goes out there and give you deep pass, if Michael Thomas goes off, what do you do? Who's your better playoff guy? What do you think? I mean, look, like you said, I, I think that Jameis Winston is going to add a dimension to this offense. Adnan's a movie guy. If you remember that first Batman Begins movie, when the Scarecrow says, my compound is going to take you places, it doesn't mean it's places you want to go. Jameis <laughs> Winston's got a little bit of that in there, too. <laughs> and that, you know, we'll see how he's able to limit that part of his game. Again, last year, 30-something touchdowns, 30-something interceptions, as we know. I think quite highly of Jameis on the football field. I do think he can put it together, and I do think – uh, that that the offense he's going to be in here with the Saints may be able to protect him from some of his uh, tendencies, well, shall that's we say? The key here, because you think of you think of the Joker in the Dark Knight, as he says, "I'm an agent of chaos." That could also apply to Jameis Winston here. Okay, he's high risk, he's high reward here. Botch, I know he's talented, big arm, can scramble, but those turnovers—he's a turnover machine. No, here's the difference, though, right? Now we have a running back that we can rely on. We have an offensive line that's going to keep him upright, possibly give him more time. And the best of all, Jameis Winston got LASIK. He can see now. So Jameis Winston about to go up against these next three teams. He's going to smoke them, then off to the races, sir. Circle yeah, I do think point, that's Rich. a good point. Rich, you're not convinced that it's going to be Winston, though, right? Like You think Taysom Mill has a chance. Oh, no, 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 no. I want to be, I want to be crystal clear about that. I think the Saints are telling us that uh, Taysom Hill has a chance. Now, I do, I'm very interested to see how much they actually do run out Taysom Hill on Sunday. I don't know if it's going to be more or less. I don't know if you want Jameis to really shoulder the load or if you want to take stuff off of his plate by giving us more Taysom Hill. Vach and I, I believe, not to speak for Vach, but I believe Vach and I have an opinion about the Taysom Hill package, and I believe it's pretty simpatico. I do think Vach Vach's point is quite salient about the other things that the Saints offense has around him to take the pressure off of Jameis Winston. Like they might not be in a lot of shootouts if that defense can play like it did a couple Sunday nights ago against the Bucs. And all Jameis got to do is turn around and hand the ball off to Alvin Kamara and or Latavius Murray. All right. Last thought before we move on. Vach, I want to hear your thoughts on this Taysom Hill package because now that uh, Rich kind of left the crumbs there, I want to see you guys denigrate this. 
Well, I think the Taysom Hill package is a waste of time. When you're handing the ball off to him, you could be handing it to Alvin. When you're throwing it to him, you could be throwing it to Michael Thomas. When you're throwing the ball, you could be throwing it with a better passer. And he's like a punt team gunner or something crazy like that. So, Rich, shouts out to you. But if simpatico means a waste of time, then hell yes, it's, it's, it's that. <laughs> On the same page, but also a waste of time. The Saints, no, listen, they're going to rely on their defense. Defense played an inspired performance against the Bucs. Kamara's sensational, and now we'll find out what happens when it comes to the quarterback position without Drew Brees for at least three games. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. All right, keeping it rolling here on more football. When you look at the standings right now in the AFC, you realize the Steelers are obviously unbeaten, outstanding team. But those are a glut of teams that I mentioned off the top that right now are at 6-3. and three. Not everybody can make the playoffs, even with expanded playoffs. To wit... Right now, they have six and three teams. You've got the Colts, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Titans, and the Browns. So when you look at that list, at least two of those teams is not going to make the playoffs. You look at the simple math of who wins the division, how many wild cards, et cetera. Again, Colts, Raiders, Dolphins, Ravens, Titans, and Browns. Vach, when I see that list at you, which two teams, it's going to be two, do you say, you know what? Not buying. They're going to make the dance. Well, it's got to be Browns and Raiders, right? We're just looking at situations, looking at the remaining schedule, who's in their division. I think it's clearly Browns because, for one, I don't think that they're the team good enough to get it done anyway. I just think they've oozed these wins out. But when it's time to play, you know, your your um, league mates or whatever, when you play against Pittsburgh again, you play against Baltimore, then it might be a little bad for you. I think the Bengals could possibly get another one out on them, you know? So, I mean, it's 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 three, three teams from that division not going to work out for me. And the Raiders is going to be very important for them this week to possibly sweep the Chiefs. And if, they, if they're if they not able to do that, then they may, you know, get kicked out by default. It's just interesting how competitive this side is. And it's just a shame that somebody from the other side, from my East, uh, like the Eagles possibly, that they're going to just get it to the playoffs as a 5-11 and 11 team. But somebody that's 6-3 and three now is not going to make it. It's a weird little setup. Vach, we are your favorite word. We're simpatico on the Raiders, <laughs> but I do disagree. I do disagree on the other team. Uh, I think the Titans are going to be the one left out here versus the Browns. So this is going to get squirrely here because the AFC South plays the AFC North. Those are the sort of inter intra division matchups, right? So the Browns and the Titans and the, everybody's going to pretty much play everybody coming down the stretch here. But the Browns also have both New York teams. Uh, and particularly the Jets, I mean, you could chalk that up as a win, I'm pretty sure, for the Browns. So I do think the Browns, just far as the schedule goes, uh, and they play my Jags. So the Browns get a couple weeks off here, so to speak. And I do think the Browns could sneak in here. I do think Titans, uh, given what we saw on, on last Thursday night, I don't know. I think the Titans are going to be that second team in the AFC South and get left out of the dance entirely when all is said and done. And each of these teams, guys, are vulnerable and have issues. Listen, you can't tell me you're buying the Indianapolis Colts 100% when Philip Rivers is old man Rivers out there and you realize this guy is not going to lead my team to victory. They're relying on that Colts defense. I look at the Raiders. I'm with you guys. They're vulnerable. They're not strong against the run. Again, I have questions about Carr. Dolphins actually feel very confident about because not only is it two at a time, but their defense hasn't been impressive. Flores is an excellent coach. Ravens, listen, 
The Ravens lost that game against the Patriots. I know it was miserable conditions, guys. You lose 23-17. But, Lamar, you got to show me something, okay? That's the kind of game you got to win. The Patriots, when you look at their offense, it's laughable. They have such a lack of weapons right now. The fact that Belichick pulled out that winning company, I know it's not just Bill, but honestly, that's like one of the most impressive wins for the Pats I've seen in a while. So I'm not 100% here, Vach, and buying on the Ravens. They've got to step up a little bit, especially offensively. <sighs> Well, the one thing about the Ravens that I can at least rest on is that everybody on that team is good except for Lamar right now. At some point, we're going to have to have this have this convo, like, should we be worrying about him? Because the the big concern was, are defenses around the league going to catch up to him? Are they going to figure him out and make him throw? And if they're not the running team that they were last year, Lamar has to throw. Now, I don't think he's thrown for 200 passing yards this year, so that's very telling. But you can at least lean on, at least that defense is playing really, really well. So so if you got to make an adjustment and fix something on offense, I mean, they're winning games like this, right? So let's just kind of clear that up. The Ravens are winning games badly, but if they could just find a way to get something going, then they can just ascend higher than everybody else. Yeah, with the talent that the Ravens have and the proof of concept, right? Like we've seen last year that it works. Now, yes, Vach is right. It is currently not clicking. Uh, they're not blocking it up in the run game like they were last year. I think they miss Mark Andrews at tight end. Uh, you know, or excuse me, I think they miss uh, Hayden Hurst at tight end. Uh, you know, I, I do think they miss Mark Andrews that because too? of that. <laughs> I do think they are a little bit limited in how they can threaten in the pass game. Uh, and I think that's a bit of a problem that they are going to have to solve coming down the stretch. But if we're sort of talking about the teams in this six and three soup, uh, I, I do not think the Ravens are, you know, the, the most vulnerable. All right. So that's definitely, and by the way, one of the two to mention, the Bills are also seven and three. So again, if they pull off that victory on Sunday against the Cardinals, you feel really good about their chances. Instead, seven and three, I feel a little better about them than some of those other teams. But Vach, you've been the leading critic here of Bill's Mafia. So I feel like they're seven and three. You're not sold on them either. I just want them to be grateful about their situation. You know, like Josh Allen is not their savior, you know, but they seem they they act like he is, but then when he does Josh Allen things, they go right back to bashing Josh Allen. And it actually makes me defend Josh Allen. That makes me sick. So they are going to be as good or bad as Josh Allen makes them. And they should be honest with that. Now, should we go get some more help? Should we go, you know, uh, should we upgrade at running back? Possibly. I think so. You know, just can you do more things to make him better? I think so. Now, what I really like, and I keep saying this, man, shouts out to Sean McDermott, man, because he can make it work with some miscellaneous people. He doesn't need superstars on the team. And I would say that Diggs is the best receiver in the league, kind of, sort of, until DeAndre Hopkins made his catch. You know what I mean? But just in terms of what what he was doing in the Vikings, what he's doing now, is just, it's just, it's just day and night. And they seem to have made that connection. So, okay, you got a number one guy now. Let's get an auxiliary guy now. You know that Cole Beasley is your, is your um, third guy. So let's continue to make Josh Allen, you know, comfortable in that situation, not just pretend he's your big, big guy. And just keep playing on defense. I actually think I actually have it in my mind that if you get a superstar on defense, then that no-name defense would be even better. So we'll see what happens one day. But they are, they're, they're clearly better than the Patriots now. They're better than the, than the Jets now. But this Dolphins time, man. All right. Let's talk about MVP. Russell Wilson. This guy was the MVP, right? He was rolling. All of a sudden, 
hey, a couple of bad games, particularly this past week, a lot of turnovers have been an issue. Seven interceptions his last four games. He has not been protecting the football, despite the fact earlier in the year he was throwing with precision, tons of yards. And Seattle have more from this team, which was all about Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, to now no, let Russ cook. Well, now, because the fact he's had these turnovers and these issues, I think the MVP conversation becomes a little bit different. Maybe he was the midseason MVP, but now that we're into week 11, there's other names that are in there. Patrick Mahomes is always a guy to be considered. Um, and I think that, like, I, I've mentioned Alvin Kamara before. I know it's hard for running backs to get pub, but I think he's been essential for the Saints, not only as a running back, but also receiver. Rich, what do you think? MVP. I know two weeks ago it was Russ for sure. Now do you feel like there's other names creeping in? Kyler Murray as well? Yeah, I, you know, I think we screwed it up by giving him the MVP in week five. And I am part of that sort of the, the chorus that was saying it's time for him to finally get some MVP votes uh, and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, look, we don't we do not give the MVP out after eight weeks and teams change and adapt and get better and get worse over the course of the season. I do think I do think because Russ has sort of given the ball away the last few weeks, uh, I think they're going to let him cook a little bit less coming down the stretch, particularly as things get colder uh, with some of their road games and home games in Seattle. Uh, and I do think that's probably going to take him a little bit out of the MVP conversation uh, while others rise up. I also think sort of as a football watching public, right, we sort of get a little bored, right? If it was a walk to the MVP for a guy like Russ for 16 weeks, the conversation is kind of boring because you're just saying Russ and Russ and Russ and Russ and Russ. Uh, but now that we have sort of six or seven weeks left, we're just sort of looking around and, and trying to find other guys to put in the conversation. So I think there's a lot of things that go into how the, uh, the general consensus around MVP forms. That's very fair because I think – I think Pat has been so great that we're just simply not talking about him because we're just used to him being great, you know? So when it comes down to MVP, it's not really about the most valuable player. That's probably like a left tackle on some team somewhere, but it's about moments. It's about yardages and it's about wins. Uh, so if you're a guy like Kyler Murray, who's my current vote, um, he's getting those wins. He has the numbers for it, but it takes a big hail Mary at the end of a game to really boost you into that convo. Right. And then what do you do on national TV? Right. If you go and put up these big shootout games, these big comeback games, then we're more excited for you. So the MVP is really who we're most excited about. And Kyler Murray is the most exciting quarterback in the league right now. I don't want to say that because it sounds evil. Yeah, to that point, to Kyler Murray's got six touchdowns without an interception on deep passes since week five. And it's one thing to, to dink and dunk like Drew Brees and get 73% completion percentage. But to your point, Vach, sizzle sells. Every year there's an it guy. There's a guy that comes out and you go, oh my God, dude, how great is Mahomes? Oh my God, I'm not missing any action with Lamar Jackson. This is Kyler Murray's coming out party, and that plays. That's part of the MVP conversations. It's not just the numbers. It's also the currency you're having, water cooler conversations. And right now, Murray is the leader in that department. That brings us, though, to a quarterback who oftentimes you'd be talking about the MVP conversation. You would think, hey, the star is so bright. And yet, this brings us to the curious case of Deshaun Watson. What exactly is happening with this young man and the Texans? All right, so to recap, it's been a bad season. You lose Billy O'Brien, head coach and GM. But Watson isn't exactly lifting up the rest of his team. Rich, when you I don't want to say let's do an autopsy on this. When you look at Deshaun Watson, progressing, regressing, staying the same, issues around him, what exactly is happening with Deshaun Watson in your estimation? I mean, the team around him isn't very good. <laughs> like I have seen both of Deshaun Watson's wins this season against my Jaguars. Uh, the Texans are not very good around him. If you look at some of the, the sort of team efficiency stats, they are, I believe, 28th in, DVO, in defensive DVOA. Uh, I think they're about 15th in offensive DVOA. 
And I think they are that high because of Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson is playing like he always has over the last couple of years. I mean, he's the reason they were in that game against the Steelers a few weeks ago, for example, even though they did not win it. Uh, you know, I have no problems with Deshaun Watson. I think that the team around him is flawed. I think whoever is coming in to both GM and coach that team has sort of a year of carte blanche. Let's figure out what we have next season. And then you're out You're out of most of your cap liabilities and can really build that team up from scratch around Deshaun, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, and Zach Cunningham at linebacker. You sort of have a blank slate once you get out uh, from under sort of these contract commitments and you get the draft picks back. So, Rich, the team is not good, but are they two and seven not good? Because when we look at Watson as this top guy, right, he got paid. He's a top five quarterback. Some guys we even call him elite. Don't those types of quarterbacks like bring the team up at least to eight and eight, at least to nine and seven, something like that? It, it, it just seems like I don't think that they are that 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 bad. Like like they're just simply not good. But. Will Fuller's not terrible. Like, Randall Cobb was just good with Dak last year. You know, Brandon Cooks ain't the best in the world, but he's a journeyman that, you know, that can get things done. They just don't seem to have something clicking there at Houston, you know? And I would imagine that any other top-tier quarterback that we would dare to call a top-tier, that he can make something out of nothing. But, Rich, the the Jags twice, that's, that's all we can get from you? And... I would even say Bill O'Brien. Yes, he was bad as a GM. Sure, getting rid of Nuke Hopkins for the second-round pick is terrible. But the coach wasn't that terrible. Romeo, the coach, isn't terrible. And sometimes simply getting rid of somebody can make you better. Look at the Falcons. Dan kind of got cut, and the Falcons look a little better now. So my question is, if he's simply that guy, if he's that top tier, then why haven't we seen – because we can see Kyler Murray make Christian Kirk look great. So why don't we see Deshaun Watson do that to pull off a win at least? Because if Dak Prescott throws for 7,000 yards in a season, they're going to say, oh, he's not winning games. Deshaun's not winning games. So what's going on? Well, but wait a second. What was your boy reign to go to Prescott before he unfortunately got hurt, right? We sat here and said Dallas Cowboys have all this talent. Dallas Cowboys defense is bad. Dallas Cowboys offense has a lot around him. Dakota Prescott is, right, an elite-tier quarterback. He should be doing more, et cetera, et cetera. We sort of had the same conversation. Like, these quarterbacks can be so good, but still need something around them. And like we said earlier in the show, they traded away his something, right? They traded away New Hopkins. So, yes, I do think Deshaun Watson is still that good. I do think Dak Prescott is still that good. But, like, there is still a limit if the rest of the, if the, rest of the operation isn't performing or isn't clicking or isn't playing complimentary football around him. You can only do so much. I just find it interesting that when when Dak has helped, we go, oh, the team is carrying Dak Prescott. Because to be fair, that offensive line is not that offensive line that it used to be. Guys have been hurt. Travis Frederick is gone. Uh, Tyron Smith is out. I think we have the worst right tackle right now, Terrence Steele. He's an undrafted kid from Texas Tech. So, so that setup wasn't very good for Dak Prescott, but he still somehow made it work. We even talked about that defense being the worst of all time. So we are simpatico in that, Susu Studio in that. There so, it is. So, nice. so, so, <laughs> So, so yes, when but when Dak, so when Dak gets his help, they say, "Oh, the team is carrying Dak." But when Deshaun Watson needs help, we go, "Oh, well, he needs more help." Or if he had Deshaun, uh, 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 Nuke Hopkins, he'll be better. I just think that we look at things differently, and it, and it could be draft bias. It could be well because Watson is this first round guy, so that maybe we should respect him more. I think Carson Wentz get a lot of that. If 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 uh, Drew Locke had played like Carson Wentz has been playing, we'd be trying to get Drew Locke up out of here. But 
since Carson Wentz is that first round pick, we may have a little bias and we'll say, well, maybe everything around Carson is plummeting. And Carson has made some good things out of bad, but Carson has looked terrible. Thanks for mentioning the Eagles. Horrible game against the Giants. I mean, they should have lost the Giants twice this year. This time, Daniel Jones looked like Barry Sanders out there, by the way, rushing the football at will. The good news for Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones, both those guys have been turnover machines, didn't turn it over, but the Eagles' run defense, deplorable. And, God, Doug Peterson that play calling. Dude, the, the, the running the ball is working. Miles Sanders is doing well. Keep running. No, let's just try throwing it. Mm, not going to work with that kind of receiving core. Moving on, because nobody cares about the Eagles. They are playing the Browns Moving on. Arizona, <laughs> Seattle. DAZN, by the way, is a series of features highlighting this rivalry. I mean, you talk about a great game, fellas. Arizona, Seattle. I mean, this is – Rich, now this is your MVP conversation game. Because you can say, all right, Russell Wilson has been slumping the last couple of weeks. Kyler Murray, star is rising, coming off this incredible Hail Mary. I mean, Arizona, Seattle feels like it's going to be an electrifying game. Yeah, man. I've been praying for a good Thursday night game for weeks, right? And we finally have it. Uh, this, I mean, it looks like it might be for the NFC West. Of course, the Rams will have something to say about that as well. But a few weeks ago, we saw what happened when this game got flexed to Sunday night and the whole world got to see these two teams play, got to see uh, what the Cardinals can really do. And the Cardinals keep playing well, you know, at some point in time. And I think that point is now the, the, the conversation about the Cardinals has to shift from, okay, maybe sneak wild card to, I mean, this team is going to make the playoffs, right? This team, uh, short of a loss to the Dolphins, who I think the three of us think very highly of, uh, you know, would be on a really, really hot streak now. I I'm very impressed with the Cardinals, and I cannot wait to watch them on Sunday night. It's a test against a team they beat. Very impressed with the Cardinals. Miscellaneous clap for them. But, you know, like we said earlier, like, what do you do versus good teams? This is your moment, right? This is this is the MVP moment. And it just happens that everybody is watching. It just happens that this is a division game. It just happens that these two guys are two of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the league right now, right? We always see the situations where defense puts them in trouble and they just come up and score 24 points in the fourth. So if you can make an electric game out of this, this will do wonders for your MVP conversation. And that's just how this works, right? Football is a results-based thing. It's going to come down to this, you know, Cardinals and Seahawks. Whoever wins, we're going to talk nice about them for the next three weeks. Whoever loses is washed. Exactly. It's not a whole lot of what have you done for me lately. Tennessee and Baltimore, this is their first matchups in the Titans' divisional round win in January. I mean, listen, we go back to that conversation. One of these six and three teams isn't going to make it. Maybe it's the Titans. They're facing this Baltimore team, both six and three. Votch, who do you like in this one, Tennessee or Baltimore? So it's very interesting that both these teams were saying nice things about early in the season, and now they've kind of dialed it back a little bit. And it's also interesting that both these teams are teams that live off run game and defense. So it, that's basically what it's going to come down to, who's going to play the better run game or play the better defense. Is it wild to say that Tannehill might be the more reliable guy tomorrow? Or, 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 no. Yes, or Sunday? yes, yes. Is that weird is to say? to do that. I do it's think that – I do think in a shootout – I would take Lamar and, and you know, in sort of, I, I think in a shootout, I would take Lamar. And I disagree. I think in a shoot, like we're past, like we're throwing the ball around the yard shootout. I would rather take Tannehill. At least Tannehill has passing, passing days over 200 yards. At least he has that. Lamar doesn't. Now, if it's a situation where we're both playing ball control to where we're just slowly giving it to Derrick Henry or we're slowly giving it to J.K. Dobbins and Lamar, then that's a different kind of shootout. But if we're just talking about putting the ball in the air and playing some defense, and playing some ball control, I think I might go Titans, gentlemen. 
Hmm. Yeah, the Titans showed, it, obviously in January, that you know they can sting this Ravens team, right? That that if if hmm. you want to try to block it up, you know the Titans were man for man better. Now I, I think Lamar was probably the only person who actually played well in January when these two teams met in the playoffs. So yeah, it's going to be fun to to finally see the rematch. All right, Green Bay, Green Bay, excuse me, in Indianapolis. Packers right now seven and two. They appear to be cruising towards that division title, and they're taking on a Colts team I mentioned earlier. They got great defense, but you have questions about what they can do offensively. Rich, you look at Packers, Colts. Feels like a good game here. What do you think? I like the Packers. Uh, I do think the Colts defense is sort of being wasted because. Uh, the Colts offense is just sort of herky jerky, can't really get it together. <laughs> and because of that, you know, I, I think the Packers are playing pretty well right now. Uh, my Jag sort of gave them all they all they could want on Sunday. I think the uh, the Packers were probably overlooking uh, the boys in Jacksonville and Jacksonville got a special teams touchdown, too. Or if not, that game is a completely different story. So I'm taking the Packers here because, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. Come on. I think the Colts have been trying to find who they are on offense. And when they finally do that, I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. When we actually saw them last week, prime time, they looked pretty nice. And I think that's because they finally figured out their running back situation. You know, once upon a time, it was Jonathan Taylor rookie. Uh, then, you know, Jordan Wilkins kind of got involved because they didn't trust Jonathan Taylor. But it seems like Naeem Hines is the first guy out and they're just going to hand the ball off to him. They're going to run the ball off, run the ball with him. And when there's time for short yardage, they're going to give it to your power back or your more powerful back, Jonathan Taylor. What I found interesting is last week when the Colts were on the one-yard line and they were going to sneak it, they called Rivers out and brought in Brissett, and he just quarterback sneaked it, took him out, then they put Rivers back in the game. So if that's what you got to do, to figure your offense out, do your thing. But I had questions about the Colts' defense. Like, okay, maybe they're just beating up on these bad teams. I think the Colts have quietly proven that they can just beat up on anybody. I think that they're matchup proof. Those guys fly around. They stop the run. DeForest Buckner has quietly been one of the better, uh, you know, acquisitions. I would guess. You know, we we we're not talking about him because he's you know he's just a D lineman nose tackle. But it seems like when he got there, that run defense went all the way up. And um, if you're Aaron Rodgers, of course you can get it done by yourself. But if you have Aaron Jones, it's going to be easier for you. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. Of course, we got to go Aaron Rodgers because the better quarterback, I guess. But uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of had a shootout with Richards uh, uh, Jags last week. So this could get bad for him. All right, two more games to go here. KC and Las Vegas. You mentioned Mahomes has been on fire lately. Nine touchdowns his last two games facing a Raiders team that you go, hang on, are they really 6-3 and three right now? Knock on wood if you're with me. John Gruden, get things done. Fox, what do you think? KC, can the Raiders pull this off at home? This makes me sick, and the only reason they were talking about this is because the Raiders won the last game. And, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, you know. So, you know, they, they can get one over on the Chiefs. They just caught them slipping. Maybe they had a tiresome week the week before, and they took advantage of it, sure. But if you're going to play that game ten times, and I got the Chiefs winning that game nine times, and that's what I got this week. I got Chiefs over Raiders. Chiefs, Next. Moving on. I, I always appreciate it. Richard Johnson knows when it's time to be succinct. At last game, fellas, here, the Rams and the Buccaneers. Again, the Rams, as you said earlier, Rich, they can have something to say about being the division champions in the West. It's awfully tight there right now. And the Buccaneers, you feel like they've got something to prove, obviously, after that loss against the Saints. What do you think? Goff versus Brady. I, I don't know why we're sort of – I mean, I do know why. But, like, we're sort of not talking about how well the Rams are playing, right? 
I mean, Jalen yeah. Ramsey shut down for the most part DK Metcalf as much as you can shut a guy like DK Metcalf down on Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. The Rams are playing extremely good football right now. And look, I, again, the Bucks, the Sunday night game against the Saints, that is something of an anomaly. They are not a 35, you know, point deficit team. I think they are more like the team that beat the Panthers. They didn't just beat the Panthers. They smacked the Panthers down. And the last couple of weeks, we've been saying the Panthers are a team that has been improving, a team that's been looking good. Uh, Joe Brady, Matt Rule have been doing some really cool things with the Panthers. The Bucs went out there and almost hung 50 on them on Sunday afternoon. So I cannot wait for this game. Um, it's in prime time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think I think Eileen Rams, but it's going to be close. I know you guys want to say nice things about Tom Brady so bad, but I continue to refuse. Even when it gets close to me saying something nice about Tom Brady, he'll go out and have an old man game. So what we so what we have to get with him is can we get three solid wins in a row? Right. Three solid, really good games, really good performances. And, you know, I've been saying on the show, man, you know, they're giving him everything. Antonio Brown was targeted a lot last week. So if that's what you got to do to make your Super Bowl run and sell your soul one time and try to win with Tom Brady, then so be it. Um, But can he consistently give you that? And the Rams, like you said, they have quietly been one of the better defenses in the league. I thought it was because they played against bad teams like my Cowboys, Giants and the Eagles and things like that. But it seems like if you have Aaron. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you can at least sleep at like sleep at night knowing that you have two elite defenders and everybody else just got to play role playing football. So uh, if it comes down to it, uh, if the Rams are going to win, they're going to do it via running the football. I think the Buccaneers are a good run defense. So we'll see what happens. Should be a good chess match. I'm going Rams. Rams, two great receivers as well, and uh, Woods and Cup as well. So we'll see if those guys can get things done. But you're right about that defense, Vach. I agree. I don't think they have a lot of depth, but I think they have star players that kind of lift everybody else up. But lots of great games. We'll look forward to that one. As always, make sure you check out the Rookie Diaries on the Zone. My interviews with Chase Claypool, who has been sensational for the Pittsburgh Steelers so far. They are the unbeaten team right now, the bad boys, the AFC. So catch all my interviews with Chase as we talk about not only his play on the field, but also off the field. Why he's a stud when it comes to TikTok, his relationship with Juju Smith-Schuster, all that stuff. And honestly, when it comes to fantasy football, I mean, the lineup is bringing absolute hot fire. Wesley Chang, Steven Sahoyo is giving you all that you need to know as we go down the stretch. And just to recap the best moment of the show today, earlier when Vach discovered what simpatico means, thanks to Richard, it reminds me of the scene in Analyze This, where Billy Crystal is teaching Robert De Niro what to say to Chaz Palminteri, his rival, and just as I'm seeking some closure, so I want to talk to you about this. Chaz Palminteri, as soon as the phone is hung up, says, you get a dictionary, you find out what this closure is. That brings closure to more football, week 11.